640 Toronto presents Think Tank, the breaking stories you care about. Please tell me. Okay, I'll tell you. The backstories you don't know yet. That's my question. Facts and opinions that get you through your day. You never know what you're going to get. And now let's meet the guests. Okay, here we go. It's Think Tank on a Monday morning. Sunny Skies 13 a little bit later on once we uh, use that wiper fluid to get the... You don't need to worry about where your scraper is this morning. And for the next several days, but it is one degree right now currently in Toronto. We welcome on former mayoral candidate Anthony Fury, who joins us on Toronto today. It's great to have you. 21 degrees on Friday. I'm booking my tea time. I heard that. I heard that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The windows will be down. Um, and the sunroof, no, I'm not going to do that. Never mind. I'm not getting that. I'm not that crazy. Uh, Warren Kinsella joins us as well, who you can read his work in the National Post and the Toronto Sun. And he's also a consultant with Daisy Group. Sorry if we don't mention that often enough, Warren, your, your Daisy Group work. That's quite all right. What uh, do you charge? I, I could, I, I, and can I lay, be laying down on a couch? Can you be part <laughs> consultant, part psychiatrist for me in these tough times? No, I'm one who needs one. I'm not one who can be one. <laughs> Um, all right, let's start here, guys. And our first topic is all about this over the weekend. We saw a lot of reaction to drone demonstrations on Saturday evening, Anthony. I was stuck under the gardener uh, when the gardener was closed. It was chaotic. People getting out of cars, walking, cops riding bicycles ahead to make sure protesters weren't going to get to the gardener. Let's start with your reaction, Anthony, to what you saw and heard on Saturday evening. Well, my reaction is that when I see people protesting in front of an embassy, and we have a lot of protests over the years in front of the American embassy, on uh, University Avenue, on the consulate, I should say, uh, the Israeli as well, at Young and Bloor. Well, that's fine. That's the place to do this. But I think what we're seeing now is things uh, really bleed into challenging directions where I don't think the police should be tolerating it when it comes to potentially blocking a highway. That's one thing that's a general public safety issue. And then when it comes to deciding to divert to a Jewish business and to chant a boycott, whoa, hold on a second here. Uh, we're going in, in some pretty troubling territory. Up in Ottawa, they had something even more disturbing when they were up at the consulate. And then they said, well, we're actually going to go protest in front of an anti-Semitism conference. I knew people who were attending it. They were told by police, you can't leave this conference. You have to wait for an hour for us to get the scene under control. And then eventually when they let people leave, they had to leave through the back door. It's like, wait, you have to leave an anti-Semitism conference you know, through the back door, hide, hide your face, hide your identity because... They're protesting this conference. I mean, this is not okay, Greg. Warren, what did you see in Toronto this weekend? Uh, something that made me really sad and angry. You know, Cafe Landwer, where this so-called protest took place, was founded in 1919 in Berlin. And they had to move. The founder had to move his cafe from Berlin to Tel Aviv, to Israel, in 1933 with the rise of the Nazis and the targeting of Jews. And, you know, they were very successful in Israel, and they decided to open up in North America. So they've got locations in, in Canada, and they've got locations in the United States. And, like, guys, if you look on the menu, there's nothing on there about politics. There's nothing on there about 
um, any of the issues that we're all grappling with right now. Like it's Italian dishes and Mediterranean dishes. Like they don't deserve this. And this, you know, when I saw what took place over the weekend, and I'm heading to Cafe Landworks today to try and get a table, try and get a seat. It may be tough. They don't deserve this. And this reminded me again of 85 years ago with Crystal Nacht and the targeting of Jewish businesses by the Nazis. Like this is happening in Canada right now. And this is where those words never again really matter, where we're, we're supposed to never again let this happen. It's happening right now in Canada. Warren, do you make that distinction that Anthony made with you want to protest outside the embassy? Fine. No problem. I got all day, all day. And, and I'm sure along the way from age 20 to now, I've I've ticked off um, Jewish friends with opinions about Israel in the Middle East. We all probably have at one point in time. But I draw, do you draw that distinction between an embassy protest or, as Anthony said, a restaurant or even worse on Friday, there was a Jewish daycare that was targeted by protesters like a daycare in a community center where people are dropping their six year olds off. And there's chants of shame and signs and just it, it's a mob. There's no other way to describe it. And it, yes, there is a distinction. You're allowed to protest in front of a consulate, as they did on university, although ironically, of course, any protest in favor of Israel would never take place in Palestine or Gaza City. But when their po- protests wrapped up, they headed south towards the gardener, and the cops had to block them. And, you know, <laughs> it, it was a very tense situation, and the FC game was delayed, and people couldn't get on to the, the gardener. And, like, that's just unacceptable. That is lawless conduct. Like, it's hard enough to get around Toronto as it is. We don't need this kind of stuff happening. But I regret, guys, like, I feel, you know, to me, the incursion is going to start happening in the next 48 hours or so. And I think this bad situation is only going to get worse. Anthony, it was a question. Right. Go ahead. Yeah. It's, no, I, I mean, it's worrisome. And a lot of people feel the same that is this going to get worse because we haven't seen or heard enough signals to deter it. Well, that's what I wanted to get to. We're all looking for leadership here, and we've got three levels of government, and I'm not sure who needs to step up, but I'll hear any arguments telling telling me it's not happening at a quick enough level. I'm sorry, Anthony. You ran for, for the mayor of this city. I know enough about you to know that yesterday you wouldn't have been silent. You would have somehow gotten near some form of communication, recorded a video statement in your backyard where you explained to Toronto residents, I know what happened yesterday. That'd be one thing. And two, it's not an easy solution, but here's where we're going to start. And I got none of that from Mayor Olivia Chow yesterday. None of us did. Yeah, and I think any mayor who doesn't make a condemnation statement ends up being shamed by watching what Eric Adams has done in Manhattan. He's been very clear uh, to say there will not be harassment allowed of the Jewish population in Manhattan all throughout New York City. He's shown a lot of strong leadership on that. So he's paving the way. And I think the big challenge here is why you've seen Olivia Chow be a bit unclear on all of this is first she put out a statement that was not popular because she didn't really condemn Hamas. Then she put out a full-throated statement And I think she probably got some criticism from some of her constituency for that. A similar situation Justin Trudeau is dealing with with his caucus. This is very worrisome. It seems like they're they're trying to manage things behind the scenes because there are actually some people out there who do not, would not support Olivia Chow saying, don't do these things. Don't be seen to be pro-Hamas in the streets. That's a problem. Speaking of taking to the gardener, in 2009, 
uh, a number of, of Tamil people, thousands of them, took to the Gardner. They took off. Right. They took the highway. Uh, there were some Tamil Tiger extremists in their midst. I think some of them also just cared about the humanitarian crisis. Politicians uh, wanted to resolve it right away. Michael Ignatieff was not the prime minister at the time. He was just leader of the Liberal Party. And he went and discussed with them and brokered a deal and, and got them off the highway to show leadership pretty soon into that. Now it seems politicians are, are scared to even get involved. And that's a problem because to your point, if anything cries out for leadership, it's this. Warren, it's one of those scenarios where I look and I say, absolutely, all that is the case. I, how do you view the, the dispute within the Liberal caucus? Because I don't mind it because you had Democrats voting to go to Iraq and voting against Iraq. You had Republicans feeling the same way. If we're going to ask politicians to vote their conscience and lay that on the line sometimes, I got no problem. I don't see this as fraying because we criticize politicians when they just stock, lock, stock and barrel vote for the party line. How do you view it? Well, I, I, yeah, I agree. You know, the, we allow for differences of opinion, and we should have more difference of opinion within political parties, God knows. But it should be based on facts, you know. And uh, the most uh, dramatic example I can think of was the so-called bombing of the hospital and 500 dead. Yeah. Well, now we know the hospital is still standing. Like, if you go and look at news footage from reputable news organizations like the BBC, the hospital in Gaza City is still standing. And the 500 victims that were claimed to have been created by an Israeli attack, well, they don't exist. We haven't seen them either. But, you know, the Toronto Star and CBC, and regrettably, some people within the Federal Liberal Caucus, right. Suggested or outright stated that Israel was responsible. Well, it wasn't. The Americans, the Brits, the French, everybody has now concluded, Wall Street Journal last night, that it was not the Israelis who, who did it. It was uh, a missile from that side, the other side, that went astray. And, and, and by the way, there's not 500 victims. So, you know, there's an example, a dramatic example, it went around the world and, and led to all kinds of consequences, and it was BS. It was completely false. So, for sure, yes, people can disagree, mm. but let's disagree on facts, not not the stuff that's made up. Warren, can I make the case Israel's put itself in that position somewhat? Like, And I bring that up because this is almost perfect for Hamas. They know Israel's going to respond emotionally. They know Israel's going to respond brutally. And and they needed that to happen. Like, this wasn't some, hey, we just can't take it anymore. Let's, let's drop paratroopers into Israeli communities. They know this is the response, and they wanted this response. Yeah, well, it's like Golda Meir said, you know, the world loves a, a Jew when, a, when he or she is a victim, but not when they fight back. But, you know, regrettably, today in, in Israel, because nobody believes, or a lot of people don't believe what Israel is saying about, you know, what took place, the terrible events of October 7th and so on. Today in Israel, they're literally going to have to show people and are planning to show people the GoPro footage from these Hamas terrorists and the things, the terrible things they did, the torture of people and dismemberment and beheading and, and cold-blooded murder, they're going to have to show footage to the foreign press uh, contingent because people just don't believe it. I'll well, get, you know, 
Hopefully they do. I'll give you something that I played earlier in the show, and we'll start with you, Anthony, from Jugmeet Singh. And he said it two years ago, and he said it after the uh, the, the pickup truck attack, the terrorism uh, attack of Nathaniel Veldman, allegedly, who's on trial in Windsor right now, killing a Muslim family. But I want this tone from these leaders right now. Here's what he said two summers ago. There are people literally thinking about whether they should walk out their front door in our country. We think about what that means. Some people have said, this is not our Canada. And I think about what that means when people say, this is not our Canada. This happened in London, Ontario. I lived in London, Ontario for five years. I loved my time there. I think about the fact that my parents chose to make Canada our home. I love my home. I love this place. But the reality is, this is our Canada. This is our Canada. Anthony, this isn't a criticism of Jagmeet Singh. He's got the right tone and he's saying all the right things. But I want to know where these type of statements are right now for the Jewish community. It is emotionally draining to look for it and not see it these last couple weeks. Yeah, that was a good statement about uh, the London attack, and it applies to the Montreal mosque attack as well. And yet instead, we have politicians who are silent while uh, we have the law students at TMU Ryerson Law School posting a statement the other day saying, they support uh, Palestinian actions and resistance by any means necessary. And you go, well, hold on a second. A few months ago, I would have taken that to mean tit-for-tat rocket fire. Okay, now what, what does it mean? To Warren's point, video is going to come out showing that I think the comparisons to ISIS are a little off. This is more comparable what happened October 7th to the horrific scenes during the Rwandan genocide. And I'm sorry, this is, this is okay this seems to be included in the by any means necessary. People are actually supporting this. People are putting out statements saying they're okay with what happened. And Jagmeet Singh can't rise to the occasion. Olivia Chow can't try and calm things down in our streets. We got a problem. I wanted to see the premier yesterday too. Warren, when you hear that clip, are you, are you looking for leadership like I am that's similar to that, that leadership from Jagmeet Singh two years ago? Yeah, and, you know, and oftentimes that's all we've got to offer. Let's face it, you know, we're a small country with very little diplomatic or military or international clout anymore. And there's all kinds of reasons for that. I think the current federal government is is really mostly to blame for that. So what do we have? We've got our words. You know, we've got symbols. We've got, you know, we've got to have our, our political leaders, the people who represent us in this democracy, saying this is not acceptable. You're not allowed to target a Jewish business. You're not allowed to tar- target a daycare, you know, a conference on anti-Semitism. And Anthony pointed out, this is not what we're supposed to be as a country. It's not what we're supposed to be as a people. And so it is incumbent upon every political leader from Mayor Chow right up to the prime minister to say, no, this will not stand. This, like, never again will we permit these things to happen. And yes, mm. you've got a legitimate right to protest, but not in this way. All right, we've got Warren Kinsella. You just heard from him there, National Post and Toronto Sun. we got Anthony Fury, former mayoral candidate with True North. Let me bring this up, um, and uh, this was a little bit earlier. This was Doug Ford last month leading into an inter- a potential interest rate hike, and he said this as all the premiers got together for a national conference. Here's Ontario Premier Doug Ford. 
Premiers and territorial leaders were speaking in Winnipeg at the end of their yeah, annual let's, meeting. Let's cut that. That's, not, that's not what I was looking for, but it's basically Doug Ford saying, we can't take it anymore. I got to stand up for the 15 million people in Ontario. I can't have any more interest rate hikes. So when he lays that out, let's start with you, Anthony, regarding the Premier. When he lays all that out, um, would you agree or disagree with him that it's okay for a Premier to wade in, call his shot and say, basically leave my people alone? Yeah, I would agree because probably everywhere he goes and, and everywhere uh, an Ontario PC caucus member goes, the main thing they're hearing from people is that they're just having trouble making ends meet. Uh, the very legitimate complaints about going to the grocery store checkout and going, whoa, I was expecting to pay, you know, 80 bucks for this. I'm paying 180. Like, what on earth is happening here? So I, I think it. I think it's totally legitimate, totally fair game, particularly when Christy Freeland and Tiff Macklin said about a year and a half ago, oh, don't worry, interest rates aren't rising, everything's fine. It's a problem that we got people addicted to cheap debt is the way our society's been working the past 15 years. We have to wean off of it. Mm-hmm. But to do it so aggressively in such a short period of time where people are going to lose their homes and you know they're going to lose their homes because of it and you keep doing it, and, and we have, you know, major business projects, real estate projects that are, are going to be collapsing and going into bankruptcy because of it. It's fine to speak out on it. You bet. Warren, what do you think? Well, I, I'm always uncomfortable with politicians tell central bankers what to do. You know, that's what happens in banana republics. However, my former boss, Jean Chrétien, was critical of the Bank of Canada back in the day. And I think it's legitimate for Premier Ford, just like Premier Eby in British Columbia. Right. You know, politicians across the ideological spectrum have been critical about the approach that's been taken by the Bank of Canada. And, uh, you know, and I say that as a guy who's looking at an interest rate on a mortgage I've got more than doubling in the next couple of weeks, and i got to figure that one out. So, yeah, like Anthony says, people are hurting. This has a real consequence on real people's real lives. And, um, you know, the only politician who's really talking about it is Pierre Polyev. I'm not sure he has an ability to fix it, but at least he's talking about it. And I think that's why he's uh, ahead in the polls by as much as 15 points. You've also got this scenario, Anthony. I know housing was such a big issue during the mayoral uh, by-election. But I look and I say, interest. If you want to build housing, low interest rates are the way to go. You, there are construction companies that simply will stop building, or they can't find workers, or they won't. They are not going to take on these massive projects. So I know there's some municipalities dragging their feet. I know there's a little bit of nimbyism, but it, it's it's plain, you know, it, it's plain um, supply and demand economics as well for these building companies and the builders and the construction companies to say we're not doing this at this level of interest. It's killing us. So I went out for a walk over the weekend and my wife said, oh, don't forget that new sales center is opening. You might just want to you know, check it out for curiosity's sake. I said, oh, okay, fine, because there's a new complex being built near us. I said, okay, I'll go in and take a look. And I'm used to going into these sales centers and, and there's just a flurry of activity and people have their realtors with them and they're trying to get a moment of time with the person who's selling the unit so they can be the first to buy it. And I walk by this and there's one lady sitting at a desk and that's it and the place is empty. And I said, oh, I'm going to keep walking because I don't know what's going on. I said, well, this place didn't open this week and there was nobody there. And she said, it did. Look at the email. It just opened. Yeah. I mean, there you go. Like n- nobody's buying. There's no takers. And this is like a 10-year project that they've probably got hundreds of millions of dollars of mm. loans on the books. 
they're not going to be able to deal with those loans and and well neither other people buying because they're not showing up warren we got a lighter story coming up about uh, about restaurants but this was heavy news this morning to see a new report from restaurants canada that's you know fresh into people's email boxes this morning and it's 34 percent of restaurants the key takeaway operating at a loss as of march 2023 it was 7% before the pandemic 7 then 34 now it's bound to be some ripple effect when you close things and open them and close them and close them again but that's a jarring number the restaurant industry and i think we've all backed off a little bit perhaps from restaurants it is in big trouble understandably so yeah and my partner full disclosure owns and runs a cafe an italian delicatessen in prince edward county and she's closing up. She's shutting it down. And it's because she's got no support from the, you know, the people who regulate the business because of the state of interest rates that we talked about just a minute ago. You know, the cost of food that she's got to serve to people. Like her margins were a joke to start with. It's even worse now. Like, and I don't think people realize the extent to which the restaurant sector has been squeezed and hit by what's taken place since the pandemic. A lot of those restaurants that you love, that you go to, they're going to be quietly disappearing over the cover months because they cannot handle the costs of you know, putting food in front of you and delivering mm. food to you. It's a bad situation. It's just going to get worse. Anthony, we talked and you talked, we talked a lot during the lockout. And then you talked to a lot of small business owners, restaurant owners, and just managers and employees trying to make it work this past spring. And, um, and, and they're not able to anymore as Warren just documented. Yeah. Well, as, as Warren said, I mean, the numbers just aren't adding up. And I think whenever we talk about keeping taxes or fees on the books that maybe shouldn't be there, you could get rid of them or or bringing in new taxes, escalating taxes, you know, enhanced carbon tax. I I almost think there's there's an ethical component to this now. It's like if you know you're going to be shutting down businesses when you do this, don't do it. Yeah. It's just that simple. All right, let's admire this guy's dedication to craft. Um, This man has uh, finally been arrested in Spain, but he gave it a good run. I'll give you the headline from the National Post. Not not one for provocative headlines. We can name other papers that are, and both you two know that. Anyway, man arrested after faking 20 heart attacks to avoid paying restaurant bills. They put this 50-year-old in jail for 42 days following an arrest. He would tr- he would eat a full meal, Warren, then he would not pay for the bill. And, eat- and when he tried to walk out, all of a sudden, then the heart attack. I'm thinking, this is bad acting. This guy's not from the Daniel Day-Lewis school. Have the heart attack at the table <laughs> when you're in mid-bite, Warren. That's how you do these things. Well, you got to admire his commitment. And I kind of wonder, what was he eating? Like, what was the, <laughs> why take the risk? It must have been really good. So, you know, I'd like to see what he was eating. <laughs> Anthony, there's a tried and tested strategy to getting out of paying a bill. And uh, and I don't know that rolling all over the floor uh, is the best solution. But, but he got it done 19 times before getting arrested on the 20th time. Give it that. Well, but to tie it all together, we're going to see more creative ways for people to uh, <laughs> avoid paying bills or to, to get out of things there. Because, you know, I, I, I know thefts are up in grocery stores. So, you know, maybe people will start doing this thing more. Maybe this is going to inspire people. I'm getting a text message saying that sounds like the uh, Fred Sanford from uh, Sanford and Son when he'd pretend to have a heart attack every time he was having uh, bad news. But that's a that's a that's out of our demographic. I think it is anyway. I'd watch that show with my dad when I was four or five and I seem to remember. Yeah, he'd be like, I'm having the big one. Here I go. And you grab your chest and you can get out of any situation at work or in your social life. I find, Warren, if you uh, if you do fake a heart attack, it's not the worst thing in the world to do. 
Yeah, but you know, you can't do it like four times. Well, I guess this guy <laughs> did, but you know, it tends to stretch credibility a little bit, you know, when you when you're doing something like that. Well, well, 19 you need 19 different restaurants. So, you got to be well traveled. You you need one of those great guides uh to those those Fodor guides that send you to uh to each place at a specific time. Guys, thanks for doing this this morning. Warren, great as always. Anthony, thanks for stepping in. We always appreciate your contributions and thanks so much. Thanks guys. Thanks guys.